I just thank you that you are from everlasting to everlasting. You're an almighty God. Yes, there is nothing that exists outside your influence or your scope. You're a God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond all that we could ever hope or imagine. We cannot imagine the enormity of who you are. And yet you come and meet us. Father, we just thank you for your grace. We just thank you for your mercy. And Father, I just pray this morning and I just commit this words to you. I commit to everybody here in this congregation to you. And I just pray your kingdom come. I pray your will be done this morning in, in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Um, I am currently am doing a Master of Arts in Theology. <coughs> and I've just finished uh, one unit. This is my first semester. And I, I actually already have a master's degree, so I thought I could handle it. <laughs> well, <laughs> as it turns out, it was it was a real stretch. And but the, what I have learnt in um, studying His Word is just um, amazing. And it's now when I approach the Bible, I approach it entirely differently because of the revelation that I have got in just studying one unit, which was which is just Christian worldview. One unit, but as I was praying about this morning, I, I I really wrestled with what with what to bring. Like really, really wrestled with it, and I had a few people pray for me. And it was only yesterday I actually had something prepared. It was only yesterday I sat down, and I really felt the Holy Spirit. Like when I opened up the Bible and I read a familiar piece of passage. It's one of my, you, know, you have your favorites, and you constantly go over them. Well, I was doing that. I was going over my faves. And, and, it, and I flicked back and I thought, I'm just going to read the context to this particular favourite piece of scripture. And as I was reading it, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me quite specifically. So this is a word just as much for me as it is to you. So, I'm, so look at it in the sense that I am sharing what God has already begun to speak to me about. So I am on this journey with you as I unpack this. But the, my particular faith is um, Ezekiel... 39. No, it's not. <laughs> it's Ezekiel 37. And because I now need to wear glasses these days, I'm going to put them on. I, just, I refuse to get multifocals because I only get multifocals here officially old. And so I just wouldn't do it. So you'll see me taking them on and off, okay, throughout the morning. Okay, so the, the particular verse is my favourite. The Valley of Dry Bones in Ezekiel. Is anyone familiar with that particular um, scripture. It's about how God asked Ezekiel to go into the valley of dry bones, and there are dry bones. But what I love about this, they are very dry. They're not just dry, they are very dry. They are bleached, they are white, they are dead. And God speaks to him, and he says, I'm going to bring these to life. And he, and as um, Ezekiel prophesies into these dry bones, they there's a rattling sound. You know, flesh comes to flesh, turns and what have you. And a vast army rises up. But what I love about it at the end, it's that the whole, that whole section of text is about restoring the hope of Israel. Hope had been lost. They had been in this place for some time. And so, and I have read that verse, that, that particular section of scripture, countless times because it just really spoke to me. The first time I encountered it was when I was at Color and Pastor Christine Scanlon Gamble, I think that's her name. Scanlon Gables, anyway, I don't know about her first name. Um, and uh, she spoke on this, and it was, uh, it was a word in season for me. But yesterday I went back, and I wanted to read the context behind that. And so I started, and I, so I started with chapter 6, 
And it talks about the hope for the mountain of Israel. And th this, is, this is what I'm going to share with you today because it's actually profound. And as I was standing down the back here before the service began, Jeanette, she was praying. And what she prayed was exactly what I really felt the Holy Spirit had put on my heart. Mm -hmm. So that was yet confirmation that um, we, he, Jesus has a word in season for you this morning. And I... Um, as, as I was praying, I, I really felt that, um, I'll, I'll just read up, let, let me just read and give you the context. So it's the hope, the hope of the mountain of Israel. So Israel has been, well Judah has gone into captivity. The Babylonians are plundering them. They are completely and totally plundered. And they are broken, destitute. Um, they have lost all hope. And this has gone on for some time, decades, we're talking about here. So this is not just like an overnight thing. This, is, this has been going on for some time. They are completely and totally plundered. And they um, are ravaged and they are crushed on every side. So here is, this is um, God speaking to Ezekiel. He says, Son of man, prophesy to the mountains of Israel and say, Mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. The enemy said of you, Aha! The ancient heights have become our possession. Therefore prophesy and say, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Because they ravaged and crushed you from every side so that you could become the possession of the rest of the nations and the object of people's malicious talk and slander, therefore, mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Sovereign Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to the mountains and hills, to the ravines and the valleys, to the desolate ruins and to the deserted towns that have been plundered and ridiculed by the rest of the nations around you. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. In my burning zeal, I have spoken against the rest of the nations and against all Edom, for with glee and malice in their hearts, they have made my land their own possession, so they may plunder its pasture land. Therefore prophesy concerning the land of Israel, and say to the mountains and hills, to the ravines and the valleys, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I speak in my jealous wrath, because you have suffered the scorn of the nations. Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I swear with uplifted hand that the nations around you will also suffer scorn. But you, mountains of Israel, will produce branches and fruit for my people Israel, for they will soon come home. I am concerned for you and will look on you with favour. You'll be ploughed and sown. And I will cause many people to live on you. Yes, all of Israel. The towns will be inhabited and the ruins rebuilt. I will increase the number of people and animals living on you. And they will be fruitful and become numerous. I will settle people on you as in the past, and I will make you prosperous more than before. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I will cause my people Israel to live on you. They will possess you, and you will be their inheritance. You will never again deprive them of their children. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Because some, of the, some say to you, you devour people and you deprive your nation of its children. Therefore, you will no longer devour people or make your nation childless, declares the Sovereign Lord. No longer will I make you hear the taunts of the nations. No longer will you suffer the scorn of the people or cause your nation to fall, declares the Sovereign Lord. Now, that was a bit of a marathon read. There are whole 15 verses there in chapter 36. But here's the interesting thing. In 15 verses, it's a count of them, he said that this is what the Sovereign Lord says, is said 11 times. 
11 times that is said in 15 verses. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. 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 Are you getting the hints that perhaps maybe he really wants them to listen? Yeah. <laughs> he really wants them to pay attention. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Now, he has he's spoken to, to Ezekiel. He's asked Ezekiel to go into a space where there is a loss of hope, a complete and total loss of hope. They are who knows, diseased, poor, oppressed, plundered, destitute. And they have begun to lose, well not begun, they are, they are without hope. It actually says over in 37, it says, um, I, he says, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. That's what Israel is saying. We are cut off. Our hope, it's gone. It's gone. Now, as, as I was praying about this morning, I really, I, I, I really felt, and I, I mean this with all respect, that I think um, I, I really saw that there was somebody here, um, I have no specifics other than perhaps it was a girl, and I really feel that the Holy Spirit would like to say to you today that he's going to restore your hope. He's going to restore the hope that, you have, that you, you've lost He's going to turn the situation around. You have in the past been plundered and he's going to give back to you what was taken from you. He's going to give it back. He's going to restore it. But that it was specifically to one particular person, but I also believe it's for every single person here. He's going to give back the years the locusts have eaten. He's going to give it back. And the, the reasons why he spoke, he was so insistent with the this is what the Sovereign Lord says. It's because when someone has lost hope for whatever reason, they become deaf. They no longer want to hear. They, and it's, it's, I, I, I thought, of what, why is it that makes someone no longer want to hear? Like, why do they do that? Why do they shut off? And, and I was listing a whole pile of things in my brain about you know, what that could possibly be. And I thought, well, it could be that um, they're just cynical. You know, they have a preconceived mindset about something. And therefore, when they, when they hear the word of the Lord, that mindset, that preconceived idea falls to the side. And they no longer hear it because they're not listening. They're not, they're not tuned in. And another reason that they could um, not hear the word of the Lord is if um, they have... Um, uh, they've been in, in a a wasteland for so long, they've been there for so long, it's become their normal. This is now my normal. I've accepted this. I'm, I've, I've taken this on. There's nothing more than this. This is as good as it gets. You know, there's, this is it. And it's safer for me to be here than to hope for something that is never going to come because then you get disappointed and I don't want to be disappointed anymore. So I'm just going to set up camp here and this is just where I'm going to stay because it's safe it's easy, and so therefore, once again, when the word of the Lord comes, it, they don't hear it. it. It falls to the side. And so I was thinking, and there's a, probably a whole pile of other things, and that's the reasons why people don't hear when, when 
what God wants to speak. And so when, he, when God sent Ezekiel into this nation, Ezekiel had to keep saying, this is what the sovereign Lord says. He had to keep saying it because he was talking to a people that were disheartened. He was talking to a people that had lost hope. He was talking to a people that were bitter. He was talking to a people that were broken and hurting. And, they, and when, you're, when you're broken and you're hurting, sometimes having a, a nice word spoken to you can be irritating because you're hurting and you don't want to hear it. And so you need to know that what that person is saying to you in that space is the word of the Lord for that moment. And you can go, I may be able to summon up enough courage right now to possibly hang on to that because that may actually be something. But that takes courage and that takes a degree of strength. And when you have been let down and let down and let down and let down, and that could look like anything. It could be a loss of dream. It could be a broken relationship. It could be financial hardship. It could be all sorts of things. It could be past mistakes and past failures that you think, they're, they're, I'm never going to get beyond that. That will always be there to remind me and prevent me from stepping into what it is that God has me, like the past mistakes thing. And that can loom large. That can loom large in your mind and occupy the real estate of your mind. It can loom very, very large. And that's why God kept saying to Ezekiel, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. So Ezekiel had to just constantly say that. And I actually highlighted it. So I'll just show you. I, I did have a paper copy to show you. But this is what this, it looks like. The yellow parts. You know, there's, there's piles of yellow because I've just highlighted every time he says, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. So what I want us to do now, if you feel comfortable, if you feel comfortable with this, I want you to put your hands just on your ears. It's a bit weird, I know, but just distress me. Just, just put your hands on your ears for a minute. And, and if you feel comfortable, you don't have to. And I'm, just, just pray this prayer with me. Just say, Jesus, open my ears to hear you this morning. Now, now put your hands on your head. Jesus, unveil my mind that I may understand. And then if you feel comfortable, place your hands on your eyes and say, Jesus, give me the eyes to see your purposes this morning. Now while that may be a little uncomfortable, I actually pray that all the time, nearly every day. I pray for God, give me ears to hear you today. Give me ears to hear you, because I have filters. I have lots of filters. And those filters often prevent me from hearing the truth. I remember reading years ago a book called Lies Women Believe. And um, it was an eye-opener to me, complete and total eye-opener. One of them was, um, uh, you will actually defend the lie. The lie has become so ingrained in who you are that when you hear the truth, you'll actually defend the lie. And here's a classic one. Um, you go up to go and you say, you're pretty. No, I'm not. Well, you are. <laughs> you actually are. You know, and, but they, they'll defend the lie. And I actually have met people like that. The girls who are actually, you know, quite pretty. And you say, you look gorgeous today. Oh, you look terrible. Okay. All right. <laughs> just reject that. You know, but, 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 but that's just something simple. But that's because the lie has become so deeply ingrained in who you are, you will defend the lie. And when you begin to realise that you are defending a lie... You become aware that that is the lie that's in place and that maybe I need to stop defending that lie and start inserting some truth into that space. The truth. It's the truth. So I, um, what I do is I, um, 
if, if I know that I'm struggling with, with the truth, I know that I'm really struggling with that. And this actually happened to me on Friday. Um, I was in a bit of a situation. And while I knew what the truth was, I, like, I, I knew it. It was there. I've been in church a long time. I've read the Bible a lot. I've got great friends. You know, I, knew, I knew what it was. But the circumstances and the situation around me loomed so loud and so large that I was just like, what's the truth about is it really? I don't know. You know? And so I had to like be really, really careful in that space. And I had to just claim verses. And I had to sing my way out of it. So you know, when I, when I had a moment, I just thought of songs that declared truth. And I sung my way out of it. And I'm going to be honest with you, I felt nothing. <laughs> I really didn't. I didn't have some mountaintop experience. That, that didn't happen. You know? But I just kept at it. I just kept at it. You know, Jesus, I know this to be true, even though this is what's screaming at me right now. This here is the truth. I know that's the truth. And I just kept standing on that promise. I kept claiming those words for me. And I just kept reading back over my, my favourite Bible verses. And, and it still was looming large. It was only until about, I don't know, 48 hours later, all of a sudden I just felt it lift off. I don't know what it was. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. All I just know is that whatever it was that was screaming at me the opposite, that he knew that I wasn't going to give way to it. And it was so tempting, let me tell you. I was so tempting and then I just had the biggest pity party. But I just decided, no, this is the truth and I'm going to stand on it. I'm going to stand on the truth. So the first one is the Sovereign Lord. If this is what the Sovereign Lord is saying to you, in this verse, it is, he's urgent. He's saying 11 times in 15 verses, there's an urgency to it. So he wants you to stand on the word, stand on the promises that he's specifically given you and just highlight them. And just, just continually go over them. I, like I, I've got highlighted sections of my, of my Bibles that when I, like the pages around are all brown, you know, because, but there's other sections of the Bible that are nice and clean and pristine. But the pages around my, 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 my favourite parts, they're all brown because I'm constantly, constantly going over them. So he, there's an urgency to this. God really wanted the Israelites to understand that he was speaking. His word is eternal. He's, it says that in one one. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So when He speaks, when the Sovereign Lord speaks, it's eternal. Yeah. It, eternal means there is no beginning and there's no end. So it's like we are not eternal beings. We have a beginning. We have we 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 will we live for eternity, but that's only because He chooses it. He chooses to have that for us. We're not eternal. We are everlasting. But his word is eternal. There's no beginning and there's no end to it. It is everlasting. His word is true. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus is, is a representation of his word is truth. If he has said it, it is the Amen. truth. Hallelujah. It is the truth. And to use that to counter the lie of the enemy. And that lie will look different to every single person here, it, that will be a different lie that he will do buttons and he will, he will play with those buttons. See, but his word is true and his, and his word does not fail. But no word from God will ever fail. If he said it, he will do it. Amen. It's not rocket science. Okay, blessed are those who believe the word of the Lord. Luke 1 45. Blessed are those. Blessed are those. What I love about that last verse is it says, it's not that you're blessed because you, you believe the promise and you got it. Blessed because it's like, oh, Jesus is going, someone who believes me. Oh, 
thank you. Someone, you know, and it's just like there's a delight there. Someone who knows I'm good. Someone who knows I'm faithful. Someone who knows I'm true. Someone, you know, oh, bless, 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 bless. You know, why wouldn't you? You know, so if someone's going to go, you're mean, you're hard, you're nasty and distant, you're like, oh, okay. You know, you, 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 you distance yourself. But, you know, but, if, if, but if it was, you know, if, they, if, if someone believes that you are good, you're going to lean into them. You're going to lean into them. So blessed are those who believe the word of the Lord. And also as I was reading through this, it's like he's jealous for what is his. He is jealous for you. He is jealous for you are his. He paid the highest price that there is for you. When, um, when I was um, studying uh, a couple of weeks ago, the topic I had to work on was the Trinity. And, I, and the, the guy who was speaking, um, the, the text we had to engage with was by a guy called Don, uh, Donald McLeod. And I have not really um, engaged a lot with a lot of theological change, so I, I, I wrestled. I don't know if you guys, I don't know what he's talking about. It was just like, it was, just, it was, it was, it was beyond me. And it was only when I sat in on the lecture, and because I got up at four o'clock in the morning to do this, it was only when I sat in on the lecture, and he began to unpack that, what the Trinity actually entailed. And the love that exists between God, the Father, and the Son, the, the degree of intimacy in, the, in it is that they, are, they, they exist in and of it themselves. Like the, they're, they're separate. There's one, one essence, but three persona. And the love that that represents and the community that it represents is what we humans long for, but it's actually impossible for us to attain. Like it's beyond our human mind to actually attain. And as I was listening, I began to cry. I, I just, I just, I couldn't, I was overwhelmed by the love the Father had for the Son and the love that the Son had for the Father. I was overwhelmed by the reality, the depth of that love. But then when they began to unpack, what actually happened on the cross? That that relationship broke for us. That that, 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 that relationship broke. And, and Donald McLeod says it beautifully. And he says here, God sent forth, sent out from himself his own son. He came to be forsaken by God, to be the one without God, in order to bring us to God. The journey on his part into the far country, that loss is an even bigger mystery than the Trinity itself. But that Trinity that was so perfectly unique and unified, the degree of intimacy and love that existed in that relationship had to be broken, that we would be restored to, to God, we'd be restored to him. And I was thinking at that moment when Jesus hung on the cross and he cries out, God, why have you forsaken me? No wonder the earth shook. No wonder the sky went black. No wonder the rocks split apart. You know, the agony that would have been in heaven at that moment. You know, the father lost the son and the son lost the father in that moment. That agony, it would be beyond anything that we would ever experience on earth. The agony of that. That's the price that he paid for us. So you are no small thing to him. You are no small thing to him and he is jealous for you. He is jealous for you. He says in, in, um, in this chapter, in my burning zeal, I have spoken against the rest of the nations, those who have opposed you and plundered you. 
I speak in my jealous wrath because you have suffered the scorn of the nations. He is jealous for you. He will vindicate you. In Psalm 30, 37, 6, you know, he will appear as your righteousness, he will appear as your righteousness, as sure as the dawning of a new day. He will manifest as your justice, as sure as strong as an Indo sun. God is the one who will justify. He will justify you. If you have been wronged in any way at all, just it's if you think that he's going to stand by on the sidelines and, and watch, you know, he, you know, he's, he's going to justify you, but you have to let him do it his way. Yeah. Take your yeah. hands off it. Just take your hands off it. Do the forgiving that you've got to do and let go of it. If I have learned anything in the last 10 years, I have learned do not fret. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. When you start getting involved in it, then it gets messy. Just let him, just let him handle it. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. He will protect you. But the, the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. And he will never forsake you. How could he? The price that he paid for you. The price that he paid for you. How could he ever forsake you? And he's also the God who restores hope. And this is what I love. Is he, when, when it, I remember once, I was a brand new Christian. And um, the, how I got saved was in a turbulent time. My, my parents divorced. The home broke up. And it was messy and horrible. And it was so traumatic for me as a teenager that um, I actually don't have much recollection from 17 to 19, you know. I, I can remember bits and pieces of things, but I actually can't put it in any sort of chronological order. And I remember at one point, I'd just become a Christian, and I said, there is no hope. There is no hope. And I really <coughs> believed it. I really thought to me. In that moment, it was a real moment for me. There is no hope. And I thought the Holy Spirit whispered to me so quietly that I will never forget it. He just said, in Jesus, there is always hope. There is always hope. And it just made me sit up. And I thought, Jesus is the answer right now. He is the answer right now. And I had to lean into him. And it says, I've read this before, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And I believe that this morning. He's going to open up the grave. Whatever losses that you have lost, he's going to open up the grave and he's going to bring you up from that. He's going to bring up. He is the God who can. Don't, don't, say, don't, don't ever say, it's hopeless. Nothing can be done. It's done and dusted. I remember distinctly when I was told that my parents were going to divorce. I remember distinctly in my head that the pain was so overwhelming for me that I just went, well, that's that. I remember, just, I remember doing it, well, that's that. And I just shut the door on it because no one could fix that. No one could fix it. And, and I just moved on from there. And it was 15 years later that God stepped into that space. And he actually, he said, I remember... I got some. I was, I went, I was at a church, but the church I was going to, and I went for for some altar call. I don't know what it was for. I forget. But I remember the, the the guy put his hands on me and he said he's going to restore you to your father. And I was just like, well, that's impossible. That's never going to happen. That was my immediate thought. Thanks for that, but you have clearly no clue. Anyway, I I left, and and it was and, and, I, and I went home and I just happened to mention it to my flatmate. And I just said, he gave me this weird prophecy that he's going to restore me to my father. And she burst into tears. I thought, clearly this must be a bigger issue in my life than I thought. <laughs> because she's crying. 
But, but you know what? When I went through Bible college a few years later, at the, at the end of Bible college, I felt this prompting, call your father. And I, I could count on one hand the amount of times I'd contacted him in, you know, over 10 years. So I called him. And I just said, Dad, I'm in Bible college. He said, yep. And I said, um, I'm going to graduate in December. Want to come? He goes, all right. <laughs> uh, I'll send you the details. Bye. And hung up. That was, that was the phone call. And, and he came. He came to Bible college graduation and gave his heart to Jesus. And now my, my dad, and, and my dad now is like, Lives down the road, see him every weekend. Like he restored the relationship to my father, and, and not only that, he brought him into the family of God. It's just you know, he God is a God who restores. He will never take it back to the way that it was, but he will make it right. You know, he will make it right. The 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 territory that the enemy thought he had and set up camp in and said this is mine. You know, God went back in and said, No, nah, you're not having that. I'm having that right back. And, he, and he, he, came, he went back into that territory and he restored it. And he brought righteousness and he brought justice into it. He brought truth into it. And he brought healing and he brought forgiveness and grace. And I've seen fruits upon fruits upon fruits upon fruit. Because this is his nature. This is, he, he can't be anything more than who he is. And this is who he is. He can. He is the God who restores. He's the God who, who can. He, he just, he's the God. He, he can. He just can. Okay. Right. Okay, so it says he makes rivers in the desert. This is another one of my favorite verses, Isaiah 43:19. It says, I will make rivers in the wastelands. I will make streams in the desert. Amen. You know, where there is a wasteland, where there are streams, he will turn it around and he'll bring rivers into the wasteland, streams into the desert. Wherever he is, you know, you can only ever fruit can only ever abound. He exchanges our beauty for ashes. He is the God of the exceedingly abundant. He's not the God of half measures. He will, he will take what it is that you want, and if you surrender it to him and yield it to him, he'll take that and multiply it 100 million times. It's just leaning into him. And Pastor Brian has this book that he wrote called <coughs> There Is More. And we have this, this joke at, at church because it's everywhere. We just go, yeah, I have this thing, and I think there's more. <laughs> yeah. like we, we, we just, you know, we slip it into every conversation. You know, but there's more. You know, every, no, we just do it every, everywhere. But what he highlights in that is, we think that this is it. There's nothing more beyond this. But what he's saying is, God is the God of the exceedingly abundant. He is expansive. He is an expansive God. He is inclusive. You know, he can't help but multiply. It's who he is. He is a God who will. Take you beyond your wildest dreams. But, but, but Brian is very careful to put on a little caveat and says, not everybody has the courage to do that journey because it's the, it's the laying down. It's the, it's the surrendering him. It's the trusting in him and the not knowing. Not everybody has the courage to do that. There's a, there's a definite price that you pay. And a, a few weeks ago, a sisterhood, Bobby, was speaking and um, Bobby, has anyone here ever heard Pastor Bobby speak? Yeah. She's, she's hilarious. She's just an absolute cracker. She's just, and, oh, she's absolutely hilarious. But what I love about Bobby is I think, well, I'm going to stop and I'm going to listen to you because you've been doing this for 40 years now and you know where the potholes are. So I'm just going to listen to you and you can tell me where they are and I'll, I'll, know, I'll, know, I'll know to avoid them. Like She speaks with a great deal of wisdom. And a few weeks ago she preached on, I forget the name of the sermon, but she said there are she said there are things that are freely given, like salvation, 
forgiveness. They are freely given. Then there are things that are freely given but fought for, like your destiny, your calling. It's freely given to you, but you have to fight for it, like the Canaanites. This is the land that I have for you, but they had to go in and fight for it. There are things you've, you've got to fight. You can't be passive in that space. He says, he can't, that's why he always says, seek me. You know, I reward those who earnestly seek me. And I remember reading that verse in, because I parked for a very long time. Um, even I began to get bored. Um, in, in chapter 11 of Hebrews, and it was you know, the, the, the Hall of Fame. And because it just seemed to be a, a, like a word for me in that season. And it, one, one part of it was like, seek me. And, you know, lean into me, seek me, Louise, seek me, Louise. And I was like, oh, oh okay, I'll seek you, I'll seek you. And then one day I went, what does seek you mean? I didn't even know what that means. What does it mean to, to, to seek? I thought, oh, I need to put some practicalities around this. And I began to look at what that looked like for me. I was like, come to church. You know, when, when, when we gather like this, there is power in this moment. Amen. The faith in this. Don't neglect the meeting together. This, I cannot underestimate the importance of meeting together like this. Come to church. Just, just come, just find us in season and out of season. Don't come with, oh, you know, I've got some time today, I'll come. Or I've got a headache, so I'm going to stay home. God understands. Of course he understands you've got a headache. But, you know, you're not at church and it's a blessing. So it's just like, find yourself here. And like, pray, spend time in personal worship. Make those choices. I'm choosing you today. I am seeking you because I know that you have something for me. And I'm going to lean into it. And I don't want to miss it. I don't want to be the person that misses, you know, or, or positioning myself. To position myself for him. So it's, it's the seeking. Okay, and the last one was that in, when I was studying this chapter was he will remove your shame. And that's what I love about this. He will remove your shame. As I said before, sometimes your past can rise up and loom large and it can prevent you from stepping into what it is that he has for you. You think, well, all that happens. So that's me checked out. You know, that, that's, that's the enemy. That, that's, that has nothing to do with him. That has nothing to do with God whatsoever. He, he removes your shame. He says, shame is something the enemy tries to put on you. It's inherited. It brings death and it brings despair. You know, saying shame on you? It's what people try to put on you. And that's me. No, I'm not having that. I'm not having that. Um, it says, cast it off, Jesus overcome it. And that's Ezekiel 36, 13. Um, and the last section of the... Let me read it out to you. It says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. So he's starting off with a declaration. Because some of you... Because some say to you, you devour people and deprive your nations of its children. So once again, reminding you of your past. Reminding you of your past. Therefore, you will no longer devour people and make your nation child. So he's turning around. You're not going to do that anymore. You're not doing that. You're a new person now. You're not doing that anymore. Declares the sovereign Lord. No longer will I make you hear the taunts of the nations. No longer will you suffer the scorn of the people or cause your nation to fall. You're not doing that anymore. That's not who you are. I've made you somebody else. I've made you somebody new that is not you anymore. So don't let people put shame on you. Don't let people say that your past defines you. It doesn't define you. In fact, God will use your past so that it will be a testimony so that people look on and go, look what the Lord has done. Amen. Look what the Good. Lord has done. That's who I was. This is who I am now. Look what the Lord has done. And he'll turn it around and he will make his, his, his glory rest on you. He will turn it around, whatever that is. He'll take your ashes and make it beautiful. So that others will look on you and go, look what the Lord has done. Um, we look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us, who leads us forward into faith's perfection. So it's a journey. 
we, we, we are constantly leaning into faith perfection. Philippians 3.3, 3, for we have already experienced heart circumcision and we worship God in the power and freedom of the Holy Spirit, not in laws and religious duties. We are, we are those who boast in what Jesus Christ has done, not in what we can accomplish on our own strength. So we can say quite confidently, that was then, this is now. That's who I was, this is who I am now. And, and, and his glory be made manifest in me. So this morning I just really wanted to, time has run out. Run out too. Um, sorry, Rod. Um, um, I, I want to suggest, if, if any of this resonated with you this morning, if you feel that maybe that you had lost hope and you began to set up camp in, um, well, this is all that there is. There's nothing else for me. And it's safe here in this space. I don't necessarily want to go beyond this in case I get disappointed. Or you may be thinking, I've had some mindsets about this. Maybe I need to change it. And if, if, if any of this resonates with you, then I'm going to pray. And if that's you, just take this moment just to lean into him in this space and begin to open your heart. Oh, here's this picture up here. Um, you saw the picture before of the wilderness. That may have been you before, but this is you now. He's going to plough your land. And he is going to, and you will produce seed. He's going to plough up your land and you will produce seed. You will be a field that is wow. able to produce you're not going to be a wasteland anymore. You're going to be this. And whenever God talks about a vineyard, he's referring to his church. That is always, it's always a representation, a metaphor for his house. See, he, this, is, this is a land that's going to be ploughed. This is a land that's going to be sown. And it will produce fruit. So let's pray. And in this moment, just, just lean into him and allow him to speak to you. Maybe stir boldness and courage within you to believe him for that which is impossible, that which is mighty, miraculous, unusual, and unlikely. Father, I just thank you that you're a God who is able to do, like your word says, exceedingly and abundantly, above and beyond all we could ever hope or imagine. You are the God who is able. And when we place our hands, when we surrender to you when we have the boldness and the courage to allow ourselves to be discipled by you the way opens up before us and father even now as i'm praying i pray that you would minister to the people here that you begin to speak to them revive broken dreams or give brand new dreams father i just pray that you would open up the way Open up the way. Let rivers flow in the wilderness. Streams in the wasteland. May there be prosperity. May there be health. May there be a restoration of broken relationships. May truth be proclaimed in these situations and circumstances. Father, I pray that there will be multiplication and increase. You are the God who is able. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 <clears throat>